The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Jesus, make us instruments of your peace 
that where there is hatred, we may sow love, where there is injury, pardon, and where there is despair, hope. Grant, O Divine Master, that we may seek to console, to understand, and to love in your name, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Kids, come on up for our children's message. All right, come on up. Indeed. Hi. Hello. Wow, that was a good move. <laughs> Hi. Did you go to a special party last night? That's cool. Yeah, I like that. All right. Come on up, man. Good, good deal. Okay, well, today I want to tell you, so it'll help. Nah, I don't need it. Uh, so it'll help a little bit with our, um, our reading today. We're going to read that kind of one of the last parts of the story of Joseph. But I want to tell you a little bit. Of, have any of you ever heard of Joseph in the Bible? Yeah? Maybe you know his story a little bit. Well, Joseph was the, um, one of the youngest sons of a man who had 12 sons. I don't know how many brothers and sisters you have, but can you imagine having 12 or 11 brothers? That's, that's a lot of brothers, isn't it? Yeah. And Joseph's dad did something that he probably shouldn't have done. Um, he kind of liked Joseph better than everybody else. So when all the brothers got kind of like a plain sort of gray shirt to kind of wear around, they got some new, new clothes, but it was just kind of plain stuff. Joseph got like this beautiful, this isn't the actual one, of course, but Joseph got this beautiful coat with all these different colors. Here, you want to put that on today, right? It's not going to fit me with my robe. Not in the winter. Okay. Here we go. So he gave Joseph like this beautiful coat, but all the other brothers just got kind of regular stuff. So do you think the brothers were, were like, oh, it's so beautiful, Joseph, this wonderful coat that you got. It's so amazing. I'm so happy for you. Do you think that's what they said? No. What do you think they did? Yeah, they were like, how come he got a nice coat and we just got this plain stuff, right? Now, they were, um, the, one day the, the brothers were out working in the hot sun. Can you be like, wipe the sweat off your brow there? Ooh, kind of fan yourself maybe a little bit? That's too hard. Okay. Um, they were out there. They're working in the hot field, getting sunburned, all that kind of stuff. Joseph's at home, right? But his dad decides to check on the brothers, so he, he sends Joseph out. He sends Joseph out into, the, into those fields and out into the wilderness to check on the brothers. And guess what Joseph says to the brothers? He says, guess what? Guess what? I had a dream. Oops, I need your hand there. I had a dream that I was the boss of all of you. Isn't that cool? And do you think his brothers thought that was cool? No, right? What would you do if somebody younger than you said, hey, I'm going to be the boss of you someday? Would you be like, yeah, that's so cool. Congratulations. No, you'd probably be like, I tell you, I'm going to get that guy. How does, who does he think he is going to be the boss of us? Now, Joseph did some, you know, that wasn't such a great thing. Can I borrow your coat back again? But his brothers did something really, really terrible at that point. They got really, really mad. And they did something no one should ever do. They took Joseph, and they took his coat, and they tore it into pieces, and they dipped it in sheep blood, and they pretended with his father that Joseph had died. But what they really did was they took Joseph, and they sold him into slavery. There were some Ishmaelites coming by. Can you say Ishmaelites? Ishmaelites. And they were on their camels. Can you be on your camel? 
right? They're on their camel. This is what it is like to ride a camel, I'm pretty sure. Never done it, but it's probably a lot like this. They were on their camels riding by, and they took Joseph. They paid his brothers some money, and they took Joseph and took him into slavery. And that wasn't all that happened. Joseph got sold into slavery, and he started to get, like, a pretty good life. But then somebody accused him. Can you point at Joseph? Accused him of something he didn't do, and he got thrown in jail for a while. And while he was in jail, some people came into that jail who were having some weird dreams, and he interpreted those dreams and helped them. And eventually, years later of being in jail, the pharaoh, the king of Egypt, had a dream. And here's his dream. He had a dream that seven fat cows, can you be a fat cow? Okay, the fat cows were walking along, and all of a sudden came seven skinny cows. Can you be a very skinny cow? Skinny cows said, just say, like that. And the skinny cows ate the fat cows. And, Joseph, and, and Pharaoh thought, what does that mean? And then Pharaoh had a dream that there were seven big, beautiful ears of corn. Can you eat your big, beautiful ear of corn? Na, 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 na. Ding. Na, 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 na. Ding. They don't know why I'm saying ding, do they? <laughs> na, 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 na. Ding. And they were beautiful ears of corn, but then he saw moldy, scrawny, little tiny seeds here and there, ears of corn. And that corn ate the big fat corn. And he thought, what in the world does that mean? Well, he heard about Joseph. And Joseph came to the Pharaoh and he said, here's what your dream means. There's going to be seven years where there's lots of food. And then there's going to be seven years where there's no food and no rain. It's going to be terrible. So we have to save food for seven years to get ready for those seven years where there isn't going to be any food. And Pharaoh said, oh, my gosh, Joseph, you're a smart guy. I'm going to take you out of the jail, and you're going to be my second in command. And that's where Joseph is when his brothers come in our story today because they're starving. They're hungry. They didn't know there was going to be the shortage of food, and they need to be fed. And that's when Joseph encounters them. And I want you to wonder, before you hear the story, what's Joseph going to do? Is he going to get back at those brothers who sold him into slavery? Or is he going to do something different? Is he going to reflect the world and vengeance and all that kind of stuff? Or is he going to reflect God's love and grace? Can you listen for that in the story today? Okay, let's pray. Pray with me. Dear God, thank you for your love showered on all of us through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, listen for that story today, guys. All right, thanks for coming up. The first reading is from Genesis. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, send everyone away from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. 
And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for your many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh, and Lord to all, his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your, your son Joseph, God has made me Lord and all, of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me. Your, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have, I will provide for you there, since there are five more years of famine to come, so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. And he kissed all his brothers and wept upon them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Thanks be to God. is from Luke chapter 6. Jesus said, But I say to you that listen, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, 
and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. The Gospel of the Lord. I was talking to another pastor this week as we were kind of looking at these passages, kind of getting a sort of an initial look together. And, and he said, you know, I, I want to preach on the gospel this Sunday, but, he's, but he said, I feel like before I preach on it, I have to look out at the congregation and say, now remember, you know, God's grace comes first. God loves you no matter what, and, and grace is real and all of that. He was going to do this because he saw all of the, of the law, all of the to-do list kind of a thing that seems to be kind of popping out in our gospel for today. Here before us seems to be this, this ethic to live up to that's, that sounds, honestly, to me, rather impossible, at least to do all of the time. But respectfully to my pastoral colleague, I wanted to say, you know, I don't think you have to actually go outside of this text to find the gospel. And maybe what he's doing is he's probably preaching as well right now. And what we may need to do ourselves is to hear this not as some kind of an ethic that we can achieve, not as something um, impossible kind of tossed into our lap by God who's waiting for us to fail, but rather a vision that Jesus is laying out of what God's reign looks like, of what he's bringing into our world. I think the key part in this text is where it says, for God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. And really even the, the very key for this to me is, for God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I want you to do me a favor and with me um, this morning, when Jesus says God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked, think as I did this week, that Jesus is talking about you and about me. And I think what you will find is that this passage is actually dripping with grace about God, what God has done for you and what God has done for me and for us, despite our shortcomings and our failings. And what I hope you will also see is that this passage is not about doing better or being nicer, as if getting these sort of seven things right will open the path to you, uh, for you to, to heaven or something like that. No, what this is saying is that God has come to you. God has encountered you, has loved you and forgiven you and me and established a kingdom, a vision that we have the opportunity to reflect. Let me tell you something that I think is absolutely true. I believe without a doubt that all of us are reflecting something to the world. We all kind of stand as mirrors reflecting something back into the world. And this day, I want to take a look at what it means to reflect something 
and what we might be reflecting. And what better way to do that this day, I think, than looking at this story of Joseph. Now, the story of Joseph, to me, is one of the most amazing of all in the Scripture, um, in my humble opinion. Maybe it's because I got to be a part of Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and it was fun to tell the story in that way. It misses some things, but it's a fun way to do it. Um, and the major pieces we saw kind of laid out in our children's sermon, this horrifying betrayal of Joseph by his brothers, this false accusation and the imprisonment, and finally, finally, a rise to power and influence over the future good of that kind of corner of the world. In fact, it might be important to note here, by the way, that, that it's, it's told plainly in the Joseph story that he's not only um, put in this position by God to preserve a remnant of the, of the Hebrew people, but also to preserve Egypt and the other nations around them. God is, is very, very engaged in the life and livelihood and goodwill of all of that corner of the world. But I also have a little bit of pause when I look at this story before us, especially just this kind of snippet of it that we have, this kind of towards the end of the Joseph story. Um, because like the gospel today, I think, I think it can be very misused. Joseph's words to his brothers, the words that he speaks in light of this whole story, are absolutely incredible, given the circumstances. But some might read them as seeming to say that their abuse towards him, his brother's abuse towards him, towards Joseph, was all part of God's plan. That what happened to him was necessary. Maybe even to go so far as to say that the brothers don't bear any guilt at all, but even maybe some credit for what they did in essentially treating their brother like he was garbage, like he was a piece of property and just throwing him away. I want you to hear something clearly, especially, especially if you have ever experienced violence against you or traumatic experience, a traumatic loss, abuse of any kind, tragedy. Abuse, tragedy are never part of God's plan or God's will. And the second truth I want you to hear today is equally important. No matter what has happened to you, God's will is for your healing and for your transformation. There's a saying that I learned in the city, and it goes like this. God is good all the time. You know it. And all the time. Yes. That was said over and over. God is good and all the time. You got it. All right. Now, Joseph sees this. He sees this reality. And it's important to note he doesn't come to this easily. We might be tricked into thinking that by reading just this piece of the story because by itself, the story today may give you the impression that this is this nice, clean, and whitewashed forgiveness tale. That Joseph is somehow a larger-than-life character completely outside of anything in the human realm. But before all of this story happens, Joseph actually does a whole number of things with his brothers. They come to him before this to get food, um, actually like a year before this to get food, and he holds one of the brothers back 
as a prisoner, and he, and he returns the money that they gave for the grain to kind of confuse them as, as to what happened. They're not sure if they should go back and give it, give it back or if they, should, if they should never return again. But here they do return because they're hungry again. The famine continues on. And this time, uh, Joseph tricks his brothers again. He puts, he puts a cup into the sack of his biologically younger brother. He's got all of the ten brothers or half-brothers to him through another mother. And then his, his, bro- his youngest brother, he puts a cup into his sack. And, and it seems like maybe what he's trying to do is just get his younger brother back with him in Egypt, get rid of all the other brothers, and then they can kind of be together as a family. We don't know any of this. We don't know all of Joseph's intentions. But he does a couple of things, kind of tricky things with his brothers to confuse them, to kind of put them in a place of, of fear, and, to, and maybe, maybe he's leading towards even punishing them for what he's done. But he sees in doing these things, he sees his brothers lament their action toward him. They say at one point, all of this is happening because of what we did to Joseph. Now remember, they don't recognize him at that point. They don't know who he is. They haven't seen him for probably 15 years or more. He then sees them advocate for the youngest brother when the cup is discovered. And and again, Joseph has tricked them into thinking that this brother stole that cup from him. They advocate for that younger brother. And Joseph kind of sees this happen with his brothers. He sees them lament over what they've done in the past. He sees them advocate for the younger brother. And in seeing these small acts, he sees how God has been working more clearly in their lives as well as what he's seen in his own. And it is then and only then that he speaks these words of forgiveness to them. Rolf Jacobson, a professor at Luther Seminary, I was listening to some of his commentary this week, and he notes that he notes something that is, I think, good for all of us to remember when we examine these words that Joseph offers. Because these words seem to, at first glance, kind of dismiss what the brothers have done, even celebrate what the brothers have done. But he says, um, I lost my place. Um, (laughs) He says that, uh, I'm going to get there. amongst yourselves. It's really important, and I want to get it right. So, Okay, he notes something that is good for all of us to remember. He says that unless we have been thrown away by our family, unless we have been jailed unjustly, unless we have been betrayed on several fronts, we don't get to speak the words Joseph speaks. In other words, we are not to tell those who are suffering or experiencing trauma, don't worry, it'll turn out for the best. Or just wait, this is all part of God's plan. Even Joseph doesn't see any of that in the midst of his suffering. Only after a lot of perspective and a lot of change in his life does he become able to see what has happened Does he become able to utter these profound words of forgiveness to his brothers today? But his words belong to him 
because of the trauma that he has experienced. You see, we don't get to project that on to others. I think that's really important for us to remember. In speaking those words, Joseph does also a few things that I think are worthy of note. First, he doesn't dismiss what his brothers did. He actually names it. When he reveals himself finally to them, he names who he is, which I love, in contrast to what they have done. He basically says, I am Joseph. You sold me into slavery. You see, abuse and trauma can try and take away who we really are, who we were created in God's image to be. It tries to take away our identity. What do you see? What happens too often when the world swallows up those who have experienced abuse or just being discarded by others? They destroy themselves often, right? And that's not to blame them, but that's kind of the wording we use. The identity given by the abuser or the trauma takes over. The reflection of the world towards them because becomes too often their own reality, their own sense of their own self. In other words, I am no longer Joseph, but I am waste, I am garbage, I am a nobody. And so I love how when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he claims that name, that identity again. I am Joseph. You sold me into slavery. You discarded me. You threw me away. But when he names himself, it's in contrast to what they have done and how they have tried to identify him. There's a last piece I think is worthy of noting in Joseph's story. Not only does Joseph name the wrong that was done to him, he speaks the unspeakable, but in saying that, he also takes the way, away the power or influence of the brothers in the story. In other words, never can the brothers say, well, what we did was actually a good thing. We helped carry out God's plan. Joseph's words kind of rip this statement from his abusers. He names what they did as evil and gives all the credit for any good to God. He does this actually again and again throughout the story when he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and Pharaoh says, oh man, you're such a great guy, you're so smart, you're so wonderful. Joseph says, I didn't interpret your dreams, God did. I spoke the words, God did the interpreting, right? He continues to point to God and he does it here too. When he says to them, it was not you who sent me here, but God. He is not saying they didn't sell him into slavery. He's not saying they aren't to blame for what they've done. He is saying that where he is right now, completely in power before them, he literally has the ability to, to, to grant them life or death by giving them or not giving them food. He's in that position. It was not their doing that he's there, that he is who he is now, it was entirely God's. In other words, they caused the evil, God caused the good. And in understanding this clearly, Joseph is able to see the delineation between what it means to reflect the world. In this case, it would be probably some kind of revenge towards his brother. He can see the delineation between that and reflecting the reign of God. And in so doing, or so seeing, in this moment of clarity, he does reflect the reign of God toward his abusers. 
and he offers forgiveness and a new way forward that gives life to all of them. Would God have preserved the promise without this nearly tragic story? Yes! Would God have found another way if Joseph would have reflected the vengeance of the world instead of the reign of God? Yes! But this is what happened. This is the story, a real story in real life. And Joseph, with some perspective and a positive ending to it all, for sure, can now see what a privilege it is to take part in God's story of redemption and transformation. Why? Because he's experienced it himself. And he chooses in that moment to reflect the reign of God rather than the oppression of the world. This takes me back to our gospel today in Luke and reinforces for me that it is not a list of things that I have to do to get close to God or to be righteous. For where I find myself before God, as I read this, is as an enemy, as a beggar, as worthy of judgment, as a sinner. I am one who reflects a petty world looking for instant gratification, looking to be right all the time, looking to get my way. But in this word from Jesus, I see God in the flesh right before me, calling me friend, giving me abundant grace, naming me as redeemed, as a child of God, and showing unending kindness and unending mercy. I see in Jesus' words a picture, a vision of the reign of God. Right here, right now, in the flesh. Not just something to come, but right here. And I see a smiling face and an outstretched hand inviting me to see the difference, to delineate that difference between the reign of God and the reign of the world. And to reflect the one that works for my good, for your good, for the good of all. So God grant us the grace. God grant us the courage to reflect to our community, to our family, to our neighbor and neighborhood, and to our world this vision of who God is and what God's reign looks like from a God who has come to us and has lived this with us and has given this to us so that we may know who we are and we may reflect to others who they are in the lens of God's abundant grace. Let it be so among us. Amen.
words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us also respond to God's word now and pray to our Lord with the promise that God hears and cherishes our prayers. Gracious and loving God, we give thanks for your reign brought especially to us in Jesus. We pray that you would give us your spirit that we could delineate the reign of God, the difference between the reign of God and the reign of the world. And may we reflect that vision and that grace in our lives as we share that grace. Lord, in your mercy. Almighty God, we pray for all the nations and for peace. We pray for wisdom for all our leaders. We especially remember the nation of Venezuela as violence and suffering continue to escalate there. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Give our nation the courage and determination to confront and address the crisis of opioid and illegal drug addiction and use. Be with all the children, families, and people suffering from this problem. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those teaching and caring for our children, parents, grandparents, teachers, administrators, care providers, and more. Lord, in your mercy. Lord Jesus, pour out your spirit on your church. Where it is corrupt, purify it. Where it is in error, direct it. Where in anything it is amiss, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in need, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Use SLC to connect more people to Christ and bring your love into this broken world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Healer of our every ill, bless our households with love, respect, listening ears, understanding, discipline, and compassion. Heal our divisions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Gracious God, we pray for Pastor Paula and all the women who are on retreat this weekend. Be with them in their travels home and continue to bless them with your spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Be with Dan Inger in the death of his father. We pray for Robbie in the death of her husband Chuck and, and for Jim McKelvey and family in the death of Edie. We pray for Marianne Wood in the death of her son-in-law. We pray for Regina Cloninger as she was hospitalized. We're giving thanks that she's home now. We pray for Fran Mayert and her frail health. For Debbie Marsh and thanks that she's gone home now after her surgery. We pray for Patty Randall and Ann Cummings as they continue to recover from their back surgeries. God, and we pray for Peter Carr who's hospitalized this morning and undergoing tests. And so we pray for him, for his healing. God, we pray for Dave and Gail and Jim 
and Ron and Kathy and Carol as they battle cancer and many others. We pray for our deployed and military support and their families, for Eric and Megan, Jared, Andrew, and David. For all those on our continued prayer list, we bring to you and now others aloud or in the quiet of our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, as we come now to your table, we give thanks that we get a foretaste of the feast to come. And we pray that as this meal all are fed, we pray that we could be your bread for the world as we go forth from here. We pray all of this trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Please share that peace with those around you. Okay, so um, as we move now into some community time, I invite you to pass those little friendship pads down the aisle, those little black friendship pads. If you're a guest of ours today, that's a great place for you to list some information for us to send you a thank you. All right, so we're taking a break this year from the auction, from the youth auction, the fundraising auction that happens each year to raise money for our youth servant trips, but we are having a very special dinner, um, a thank you dinner for the congregation. We'll have great food, entertainment, and some very special guests. So we're going to have table signups just like before, and they start today, so catch one of our youth on the way out today and get signed up. That's March 10th. Fat Tuesday is coming up, and we've been talking about how we need lots of helpers. Um, that's still true, and there's opportunity in your ministry card as well as out in the narthex. Um, make someone's day who's stepped up to make that event happen by you signing up and, and making that happen. But mainly what I want to focus on today is that this is a really fun event. This is a lot of fun. The why of this event is it's the day before Lent, so we start our Lenten journey, 
And so it goes way, but this is like Mardi Gras, SLC Mardi Gras. That's what this is. So um, this is a kind of celebration before we go through those 40 days of preparation as we move to Easter and as we move into the season of Lent. Um, so we have pancakes and bacon and great food. That's where we need your help. But there's also some great games. This is a great family event. Pastor Jonathan and Paula have some great things planned for families and young children um, and youth. So just everybody come together. Have a great time. Please plan on coming. And then Bob, sorry, I got it. I got you. Here we go. I'm going to ask PJ to pass a few, uh, just kind of spread these out in the, in just so they can pass them down. You don't have to take one of these. Pass them down the aisle. This is a great way for you to invite someone to Fat Tuesday. Um, thank you, Bob. Um, and so, so if you want one of those, it gives you all the information on it. Um, we'll pass some of those down the aisles as we go today. We're going to give that a shot. Okay, in regard then, since Fat Tuesday is... Um, the day before Ash Wednesday, um, we're going to have a little fun with Ash Wednesday. We're always trying to get out, um, the, you know, invite people to worship. And so Bob has a really cool idea of a t-shirt that says, um, get your ash in church on Ash Wednesday. <laughs> so um, if you would like one of those t-shirts, and invite people to Silverdale Lutheran. Bob will be out in the back. Is that right? All right. Okay, Bob, I'm going with it. You got it. Okay, so, and then that's, so Ash Wednesday's coming up as well. We got one Sunday before that. Next Sunday is Transfiguration Sunday, which is the last Sunday in the season of Epiphany. Okay, I think I got everything I needed on that. All church mission trips sign up in Narthex. We've got a great group going. There's room for you. Please, um, there's some more information out there if you need um, information on weather and what's involved in participating. We're in need of a preschool board member, so that's a great opportunity. Once a month, some volunteering to help with some of the special events of preschool. If you're interested, um, let me know. Um, so let's see. Also, in regard to Lent coming up, we, Pastor Paul is going to be teaching a class for First Communion for kids who are um, young people, uh, children who are interested in First Communion. Uh, that will start to happen. So there's a sign-up on your ministry card in your bulletin for that. Um, finally, then, um, the adult Sunday school topic today is evolution and faith. You have to reject one to have the other and all of that good stuff. So that's what we'll work over in our tough faith questions. So there, take a look at your beacon, all kinds of much more things that I didn't even have time to go into. So with that, are there any guests that we have here on this snowy, semi-snowy, rainy snow mix still out there? I think it's still a mix. Um, Okay, no, any guests that we could introduce or would like to be introduced or introduce yourself? Okay, all right then. Well, let's continue with our offering. Oh, wait, yes, okay. Great. Mary Lou takes the Sunday flowers and sometimes flowers from memorial services, puts them into small groups and a small vases and vases, whatever, and takes them out to folks in need. Um, and so it's a great ministry. So yeah, if you've got some of those little glass vases, beautiful. Bring them down. All right, here we go. Offering.
stood around loaves unbound. Jesus calls us in, sends us out, bearing fruit in a world of doubt. Gives us love to tell, bread to share. God, Emmanuel, everywhere. Jesus lives again, earth can breathe again. Pass the word around, loaves unbound. Jesus lives again, earth can breathe again. Pass the word around, loaves unbound. Let us pray. God of all creation, all you have made is good, and your love endures forever. You bring forth bread from the earth and fruit from the vine. Nourish us with these gifts, that we might be your light and life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. By the leading of a star, he was shown forth to all nations. In the waters of the Jordan, you proclaimed him your beloved son. And in the miracle of water turned to wine, he revealed your glory. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Remember how in the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And we pray as our Lord has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to us in the breaking of this bread as you once revealed yourself to your disciples. The gifts of God are ready for the people of God. You may be seated. God of Christ, given for you.
Gracious and loving God, thank you for this meal. We pray for Sue as she um, takes this meal of life and forgiveness, your love, this sacrament, this means of grace, um, out to Arlene Phillips. May Arlene know that she is one with us in the body of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Light and peace are yours through Jesus Christ. Let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen.
We are grace-filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord.